Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to VUX World, the practical voice podcast. This episode of VUX World is brought to you by Botmock. If you are looking for an easy to use, simplistic prototyping tool that will allow you to just get on with the job rather than having to learn the ropes and figure out how it works and all that kind of stuff. If you're looking for something that you can just open up, prototype in and get on with, then Botmock is the thing for you because it is easy to use. The interface is clean and crisp. You can color code various parts of the conversation so you can organize your design and your team can even get involved and comment and leave feedback and you can collaborate with your team in the design, in the tool. It's absolutely fantastic. Check it out. Go to botmock.com slash V-U-X world for a free trial. Thank you, everybody, at Botmock. Hello, and welcome to Lego Dublo Stories. Today's guest is James Poulter, ex-head of emerging technology and platforms at Lego, one of the people who was involved and responsible for actually the creation of the Lego Duplo skill, which is a fantastic skill if you've got kids and Lego. <laughs> Check it out because it is wicked. Um, we're going to be talking today about his new venture, Vixen Labs, and more specifically, actually, not necessarily about Vixen Labs, but more around James's thoughts and, and the way that they're approaching voice and some of the observations around voice in the UK compared to the US. And the whole episode really is jam-packed full of strategic insight for brands and agencies who are starting to take voice seriously. 2019 is the year where voice steps up to the next level. It's not just about onlooking and watching and seeing what's going on and keeping your ear to the ground. 2019 is the the year for people to jump in and get involved. And this episode is for you if you are one of those people because it's absolutely cram-packed. We get probably through, I reckon probably a two-hour conversation is squeezed into 50 minutes here. So do enjoy it. It's absolutely immense. Without further ado, ladies, this one actually, by the way, there's no dust in here today because this one was a bit of an ad hoc one. It was supposed to be in person, um, but... With the snowfall and the train situation, I wasn't managed to make it. So it's a little bit of a fumbling around and rearrangement. So we haven't managed to get Dustin along with us, but I think you're still going to love it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is James Poulter on VUX World. VUX World. VUX World. VUX World. VUX World. Branding with the big faces. I love listening to it. Kane Sims, the one and only Britain's finest, Mr. Kane Sims. Dustin. Dustin. Dustin Coates. I like it when you guys are together and talking about boys. Without further ado, welcome to the show. Cool. Well, here we are. James, Poulter. It's been a long time coming, but this is it. Welcome to VOX World, mate. I'm so pleased to be here, Kane. As you know, uh, we've been following what you guys have been doing for a, a long time. And uh, yeah, super respect everything that's been happening in the VUX world. So yeah, really pleased to be here. Fantastic. And a lot has gone on since we first met. And over the last kind of year or so, I mean, you've been absolutely everywhere (laughs) all across every event I've seen every event I've been to you've been there and you seem to be absolutely all over this voice thing so tell tell the the listeners of VUX World a little bit about yourself and and some of the stuff that you've been up to in the voice space yeah so I basically started in this voice journey uh, back at the start of 2017, really, um, when I was working at Lego, the uh, toy company, uh, many of you probably know of, uh, or have trodden on uh, recently, um, where I was heading up emerging platforms and partnerships for Lego, which uh, was a role looking at new, te- new technology and uh, how it could be applied to creating content, 
changing business models and uh, launching new channels. And uh, voice was a really big thing on our agenda. I began to see you know, the uptick in people buying Alexa devices, people buying Google Home devices, and just thought that there was a real opportunity for this where it came to enhancing and making play more immersive for kids uh, through audio and voice. And so that's where uh, my, my interest kind of started when it came to the smart speaker side of things. But in reality, it goes back a long time. Uh, my love of kind of audio and radio started as a kid and uh, you know, through to kind of adulthood where I actually like learned broadcasting and learned radio production, studied it as a degree at Westminster here in London and then went on to launch a podcast production company off the back of that in 2007, which was probably a little bit ahead of the market um, and uh, probably uh, was a little bit early, but taught me a lot. And, uh, and now finally, you know, kind of add a decade and a bit on uh, voice and audio is very much back at the uh, forefront of everybody's mind. So that's, uh, that's the background. And we came bringing everyone kind of right up to speed was that I left Lego in October last year to set up Vixen Labs, which is a new consultancy strategy, marketing and uh, well, VUX uh, consultancy, essentially, that launched at the end of last year, uh, at the end of 2018, with my co-founder and uh, CCO, Jen Heap. And uh, yeah, we put that together to essentially bring more brands into the voice first world. Fantastic. And you also uh, moderate and founded, along with Will Harvey, the... uh WhatsApp group, the the uh, Voice 2 WhatsApp group. Yeah, the Voice 2 community, which has uh, taken on a life of its own. It was a, a thing that I started when I was at Lego because I was trying to find people that were working in this space, particularly here in the UK um, and across Europe, whereas most of the conversation I was seeing was predominantly in the US. And so we launched this through a, a, sing, a single LinkedIn post linking to a WhatsApp community. And then lo and behold, within a couple of weeks time, a couple of hundred people had showed up and this uh, thing took on a whole life of its own and so it started as a community for people working in voice and I think we're gradually in the process of pivoting it towards what we hope will become the kind of UK think tank on voice and conversational artificial intelligence because there's just so many great minds in there like yourself and Dustin uh, you know folks from the BBC voice team folks from the Guardian voice team many of your previous guests now all part of that community and it's just going from strength to strength. So we started meetup groups and uh, we're looking at doing some research pieces uh, in 2018 and some hackathons and partnering with the big voice summit event that's happening in uh, July in Newark, which I'm one of also now the program directors for. So uh, yeah, real pleasure to just have all of these different voice things coming together. And it feels like 2019 will be the year that voice goes from experiment phase to uh, proper critical business phase for, for many businesses. Uh, so yeah, excited to be a part community and to be able to operate in this space as well yeah it strikes me that like last year i think it might have been um charlie cadbury that mentioned we had him on a podcast previously and obviously he's, he's a, a keen kind of member of the the whatsapp group as well and i think one of his observations was that last year was a lot of brands kind of like just watching what was going on do you know what I mean I've been thinking about it the way I kind of like to think about it is that if there was a there was a swimming pool in Darlington in Darlow called the the Dolphin Centre when I was a kid and we used to go there and it'd be like diving boards a small board a medium one and a big one and we'd all be jumping off and you know having fun jumping off all the various diving boards and that but there's always a few people who'd be kind of just like watching on at the side of the pool and I, I think last year seemed to be that there was a load of people having a whale of a time jumping off the diving board but there there's a lot of brands that are kind of sitting at the side of the pool just watching what's going on. Um, 
Is that still the case, or do you think that there's more momentum now and there's a lot more bronze diving in? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a game of two halves, if I'm honest. So if you look at the US market right now, uh, certainly partners of ours and uh, friends running similar businesses in the States, I think are seeing that 2019 is the year that big businesses are beginning to put voice as a line item on their marketing budget or a line item in their business development or customer services budget, where they see it's becoming a necessary thing to have as part of their overall mix. In the UK and in Europe, I think we're probably somewhere between six and nine months behind that as a market. We're seeing a lot of people that we're speaking to wanting to start off with either workshops uh, or design sprints to look up the opportunity at this point of the year. But it may be something that they experiment with in 2019 rather than being business critical. And I think that as we head throughout the year, that is going to change. I think there's a steady um, you know, kind of fast follow happening between the UK and the US in terms of the device adoption, as you guys have reported on a lot. And we'll see, I think, a lot more people uh, begin to kind of get into the voice space more earnestly, uh, probably for their 2020 planning in the UK. But in 2019, I think there's going to be a lot of people coming into the space, experimenting, launching skills and actions, all thinking about how they're going to be found from a voice search perspective. I think that's where a lot of interest is, is, okay, well, these devices are now out there. My customer is beginning to look for me on these platforms. Where am I going to show up? And so we're beginning to see people wanting to get their strategy right, uh, to do some design experiments and working out what their uh, you know, different options are. And then as they go into 2020, I think you'll begin to see those things actually being firm budgets and, and you know, line items and potentially even some owners. I remember on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago seeing someone asking, you know, are we going to see people beginning to be given the voice mandate with an actual job title inside companies? And I think we're still a little way away from that. It's pretty comparable to where social media was a decade ago, that this was the the thing that the advertising and the PR folks were fighting over. And then over time, you saw social media agencies, social media executives, those types of job titles beginning to emerge. I think we're still at that stage uh, here in 2019 for voice. I think 2020 will probably be more the time that you begin to see that, certainly in Europe. In the US, however, we are beginning to see people being given the the mandate to own these things um, outside of just the people that you might traditionally assume, like the broadcasters and the, the news journalists lists and news organizations so i think that's where i see the market right now so in terms of the people who are owning these things where where is it sitting then from your experience is it more along the lines of the marketing department or the 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 cmo or is it more of a a technology thing where whereabouts does this thing tend to sit I think you see it coming from probably three main areas. One would be innovation functions inside businesses where they're large enough uh, to have that or have dedicated resources. It's seen as a, a R&D project, a research project uh, to work out you know, different business issues. That's, that's one particular line. And that tends to be um, being powered by business cases that come from either consumer or customer experience teams or customer services in many cases. The second is obviously marketing. Marketeers seeing the opportunity to uh, market their product through voice, uh, to develop their own voice products themselves, uh, or, or are just going after a PR splash by launching a skill that does something entertaining. Uh, so we definitely see that. Then there's the third area, which is, is specific more to a, a vertical, but is editorial teams. Um, and editorial teams, that might be editorial teams within brands. Um, it, certainly we're seeing that in a few spaces where some brands are wanting to think about uh, content opportunities through through voice but particularly if you're looking at the news organizations so if you're looking at the likes of the news uk's or as i mentioned the bbc standing up entire teams where they're looking at how are they going to get content out and so content teams are probably the other the main space 
Uh, that's certainly on the client side. On the agency side, we are beginning to see digital teams begin to pitch this work to their clients. And I think you will begin to see that kind of scrabble for who should own it happen uh, in the agency world uh, later this year. I think there's a, a few obvious people that are well placed for it, uh, particularly communications agencies, interestingly, because they are so used to writing content, uh, long form content in many cases in the form of you know, press releases and things like that. Uh, but also that many of those agencies are the ones that did win the social media battle, owning things like community management, writing and content for social media those types of people have been used to writing conversations that they're having with real consumers whether that's community managers or, or content editors so i think you're going to see that debate happening as well and then obviously the third entrant being you know kind of voice first agencies like ourselves at vixen uh, or you know some of the other players that we're beginning to see enter into the space do you think then that so on the agency side we'll we'll we'll, we'll flip back to the brand side in a minute because I've got another couple of questions around the um, the most appropriate use cases or how brands are thinking about use cases. But but while we're on the agency side of things, I've seen a couple of agencies who have incorporated voice. You know, digital agencies, social media agencies, SEO agencies brought voice into the fold, almost like a subset of their product offering. And then we're starting to see uh, places kind of like pop up like Vixen Labs, like Rabbit and Park, uh, who are dedicated voice agencies. Now, what do you see and, and how can you see that panning out? Is it going to be something that is brought into the fold more so than anything else? Or is it going to be something that is going to be big enough to actually be standalone, dedicated uh, organizations that do solely this i think it's following a similar trajectory as i mentioned to the social media landscape if you go back 10 years there were different big agency groups launching their own offerings when i was at ogilvy in the early days in 2008 2009 you know we had 360 digital influence which was beginning to offer social media as part of the agency mix but then at the same time you had startups like a thousand heads and we are social entering into the space uh, you've had obviously you know, chats with some of these people that have worked in these businesses back in the day and and you see that those entrants then grow to essentially become social media first agencies but then pick up other work streams as well and I wouldn't be too, too surprised if, if the voice world followed that trajectory I think the key difference that we're trying to put into the market and many of the other voice first agencies is that there is a unique difference of designing for conversation versus designing for advertising uh, you're trying to make a more human interface essentially and that's what we, we really believe in is like create that voice is the most human thing that we can use right now to interact with our technology you know we learn to use it before we touch or type or you know tap anything we learn to speak as kids and and then throughout our lives we you know use that as our dominant way of interacting with people whether that's in written format or in spoken word and that is now an opportunity for us when it comes to managing our technology and using our technology is through voice so designing for conversation is, is a really unique thing, as you know, right? All of your guests, the way you speak about, you know, kind of designing VUX, you know, the voice user experience is a unique experience. It, it, it's about inhabiting a physical voice and, and using that. It's about using natural language. And some of this stuff um, just doesn't lend itself naturally to some of the more advertising-based, you know, kind of backgrounds. So I think there will be an opportunity for, for voice teams, perhaps within agencies or standalone agencies like ourselves to, to kind of begin to enter into the market. And I think you'll very quickly I'm sure see a lot of M&A in this space a lot of acquisitions going on and, and probably some uh, you know kind of hefty moves by some of the bigger players but with so many of the big agency networks at the moment in you know kind of different turmoils of their own I think there's a there are other things that they're focusing on right now you mentioned there the difference between advertising and the difference between designing for voice I don't want to put words in your mouth but it strikes me that kind of the 
the best use cases for voice seem to be something that actually solves a purpose and provides genuine value that tends to actually, you know, fit in around the user. Whereas advertising more so seems to be almost like broadcasting or, or trying to craft something that, that encourages a particular behavior. Is that the primary kind of difference or is, is there something distinctly unique about voice in comparison to a, to other forms of marketing? I think we see three real interesting cases for how voice can help people. The first would be to make an experience more immersive. Something that you're doing every day but you could make it a more immersive or more engaging way of doing it. Take cooking is the obvious use case for many of us putting the smart speakers in our kitchens. You know, you can solve problems for people um, and make things you know kind of easier like recipes for example in that space we've seen a lot of people enter into uh, food brands or you know, restaurant brands entering in and trying to do uh, recipes for example and that's that's a, a utility and it's helpful but we can make those experiences more immersive as well you know I often use the case if I'm in the kitchen I don't always follow a recipe you know my wife does she's a recipe follower but I tend to just look in the fridge and pick out a bunch of things and decide to make something that I'm interested in and like last night when I was you know, throwing together some tacos or enchiladas or something like that I would have loved to have been able to say, you know, to Alexa, you know, play, I'm, I'm making Mexican tonight, play something that will, you know, kind of make me feel happy when I'm cooking. And that might be a, a playlist of Mexican music, but it might also be Thomasina Myers, you know, kind of the founder of Oaxaca, walking through the streets of Oaxaca, talking about how to find the best peppers or something like that. You know, that, that can make that, that experience of cooking Mexican food in my kitchen a more immersive one. So that's one particular area. Then it's the utility side, right? It's pro provide recipes, and I think that that's a, a really interesting space. Or, or just make any complex thing that has multiple steps to it simpler. That's like onboarding processes if you're a, a big bank or a mortgage lender, or it's onboarding people into energy and utilities, or making those types of things easier. So utility is one, immersion is another, and then straight you know, entertainment is, is the third obvious category. And we've seen so many people enter in uh, to the, the likes of... Um, you know, kind of interactive storytelling and, and other types of content medium, uh, as well as obviously music on these devices. So I think those there are some really obvious kind of catch-all use cases. And I think we're just very much at the, not even at the end of the beginning when it comes to the, the various different ways that people will exploit these, these new platforms. But we certainly see some obvious use cases for, for marketeers, if you're particularly in that kind of space to come in. You know, how can you make your brand more immersive? How can you make your, your brand simpler or, or get customers interacting with you in an easier way or just straight up entertainment yeah if you can do any of those three things you can potentially begin to win when it comes to using voice mm, i mean there's been some really good examples of of using voice um for a marketing function and, and even you know some of the people in the whatsapp group and some of the things that have been shared in there of, of, you know um, the Talisker tasting experience, for example, the O2 parents versus kids experience. Lots of good examples. Is there anything in particular that you are, you know, any particular area that you're trying to encourage brands to get involved in? Or is there any particular things that you've seen recently that are really good examples of, of, of really good use cases and, and well-executed use cases? Yeah, I mean, I'll take one uh, example that launched at the end of last year, not something that we were involved with, but just a really admirable case is um, the likes of Virgin Trade for listeners outside the UK uh, Virgin obviously you may know them from all sorts of things but they are a train operator as well in the UK one of Richard Branson's many companies in the Virgin group uh, and they launched a skill towards the end of last year which allows you to do basically everything you could want to do with booking a train ticket so you can get your train times you can book train tickets you can uh, pay for those tickets through Amazon Pay on the uh, Alexa platform uh, you can even set up things like recurring tickets your regular journeys and stuff like that and what they've done is 
it's taken a bunch of stuff that is in, infinitely often quite complex. Uh, you know, if anyone's trying to book a train ticket on a website, you know, you've got lots of dials and knobs. How many people to are coming? What time do I want to leave? What time am I arriving? These are all things that actually, if you were just to say it to a speaker, um, would be a very natural thing to ask. I want the 10 o'clock train from uh, Leeds, Bradford to London on Tuesday for two people. That is much quicker to say than going in and adjusting all of these different you know, knobs and dials, and the Virgin Skill delivers pretty well on that. Um, and as a result, they've had some pretty positive ratings and reviews over on the Alexa store if you go take a look. So uh, that's just one example. I think that any of those types of utilities, if you, like I mentioned, if you've got a complex user journey, if you've got a lot of stages, or if it's you know, buried three or four menus deep in your website, maybe there might be a query that someone could ask where you could surface that information more quickly. Uh, or in a more empathetic and emphatic way where you can entertain them in the process uh, and that's where I think that you know um, particularly the Virgin example you know really using the Virgin tone of voice being very jovial being very friendly and approachable even though they're using the Alexa voices uh, is, is a really great case study so we're seeing more and more uh, you know, kind of utility companies public service providers uh, you know kind of uh, networks uh, like uh, rail and transport you know kind of coming into the space because there's an opportunity to provide utility in an empathetic way and in a way that's just far simpler than a lot of these other interfaces that um, otherwise we have to you know not just use but put up with in our in our lives Mm. There is one thing about that virgin skill that I found, and I don't want to. Um, I'm not in the position to really critique things, I don't think, but <laughs> I did this about the Domino's skill at an event I was at last year, and it was full of designers, so I had to check that the designer of that skill wasn't in the room before I said something. Um, but one thing about that that I noticed, I was doing a workshop the other week, and we tested this skill to give it a demonstration of, of this kind of transactional skill. And if you go down the route of trying to check a time and you'll find, so I was trying to get a train from London to Edinburgh, you check a time, it'll give you the time. And then if you want to book the train, it doesn't let you do it. You need to hop back up to the top of the tree and go back down the booking side of the, of the skill. And then when you get to go and search for a train to actually book, the times were different. Yeah, and I mean, these are, this is the the issue that some of these skills are already having. I think that you know, on your your recent episode when uh, talking with uh, the founder at Tellables, right? She talked about her chocolate box skill and how there are different invocations that you use across different pathways within the skill, and you know, those can sometimes be confusing. So, some of the um, the pathways that you're building into some of these uh, these actions and skills right now, they may require very similar language to try and get to the same answer. And if you try and use them, then a consumer might be jumped into the wrong part of. A skill now i've not dissected the, the virgin thing in, in its entirety but i wouldn't be surprised if there are some of those kind of um limitations still built into the, the models at this point the voice models are still relatively primitive um getting smarter all the time but until we get some of that more continuous logic uh, built into the platforms where you know the memory of what you asked previously can be recalled back through alexa to answer the next question um in a more you know consistent fashion then then we might see some limitations there i'd say though that there you know there are a number of these skills that are trying to do similar things and I think the, the Virgin one's quite interesting because it takes into account a number of uh, factors there's another skill uh, in the train space called train lines um, sorry train times which is quite helpful with th doing things like predicting how long it might take for you to get to your train station before you get the train which obviously if you're using the uh, thing in your home it's pretty helpful. You don't just want to know what's the next train if you've got a 20-minute journey to get to the station, right? So context awareness um, is the big 
uh, play here. The, the, the skills and those businesses that are building logic on top of the platforms that help provide more context, I think, are some of the most valuable bits of tech that we require um, when building these experiences right now, because we need that better understanding of the context in which the user is asking the question. Uh, and so that if you can retain that context through the experience, then you get a much better experience at the other end. Um, I think that that will come in time, and we're beginning to see the first fruits of some of that um, with the most recent updates to, to both the Alexa and Google platforms. But there's still a little bit of way to go, I expect. Mm. I don't want to disparage the uh, Virgin Train skill because it is the first example of something that is truly transactional and it does work. You can book a ticket. And actually, um, I, had, I, I was a bit scared of actually going through the, right to the very end, <laughs> but then I found out later because <laughs> I didn't want to spend 150 quid on a ticket and then have to try and claim it back. But they, they, they are giving refunds, actually. Um, because it's a new platform, they're offering refunds. If you do book through Alexa, you can actually get a refund, which is quite quite cool. And I believe they also gave away the first 100 tickets that were booked through Alexa as well, which was a great you know, kind of user onboarding experience as well. So, you know, book through something and get it, get it free is never a bad way. So I think incentivizing people to, to do some of this purchasing to kind of begin to build that you know, kind of familiarity and trust in the platform that it's okay to book it. You know, it's not too dissimilar from people beginning to first use their mobile to do Apple Pay or things like that. My wife will still not just take her phone out rather than her wallet when she can use Apple Pay pretty much everywhere for everything um, because she's just worried she's going to walk into that one cafe that doesn't accept it and it doesn't work and then she's left stranded without money. And I think that we're still even way further and way earlier in that in the voice space of trusting that it's okay to buy things through these things outside of potentially just the the Amazon baked in you know kind of purchasing through Amazon.com uh, or .co.uk in our case so I, I think that that is one of those things that we will see more people do over time absolutely but it, it's still pretty early in the journey mm. I think it was on the it might have been on Tom Ollerton's Shining New Object podcast um, and it probably was the one that you were on relatively recently where it was a flippant comment and, and it didn't go any further than this but I wanted to get your thoughts on it it, it was something along the lines of and I think you mentioned it earlier on, actually, in the in the conversation around voice is, at the moment feels similar to what social was. And I think the quote that was in the podcast was that when brands were trying to experiment with social, they quickly found out that not everyone wants to have a relationship with the toothpaste. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, that's, I think that's true. Yeah, not, so, and I don't think everyone wants to talk to the toothpaste either. Exactly. So, so, you know, Virgin Trains, that's a logical example, isn't it? You know, we sell train tickets. Let's just sell train tickets. Is there a, a cutoff or, or a, a place where certain brands will be excluded from this or have trouble with this or, or is voice literally that open and that accessible that any brand potentially can find a use case and succeed over here? I, I wouldn't want to rule anyone out at this stage because I think the things are so early and I think particularly the promise that multimodal devices uh, offer us is that you know through things like AI based recommendations uh, through visual cues and prompts um, you know nearly every business has you know, been able to find a way into for example the mobile and app space I wouldn't be surprised if there isn't a role for um, multimodal to help many businesses that may exclude themselves uh, into the voice first area um, and they may be voice first but not voice only based products. 
I think though that there are some really obvious categories um, that you know lend themselves so well. I was at the Alexa conference uh, a couple of weeks ago in Tennessee, uh, where Dustin was as well, and you know we saw uh, some really obvious verticals begin to emerge. Healthcare being a really obvious one, healthcare and, and wellness more generally. Uh, utilities, as I mentioned, beginning to see some companies offer bespoke things for utility companies, uh, and yeah, media and entertainment. Um, the guys from uh, Jonathan Myers and the, the Earplay team there with the, the team from Capstone demonstrating kind of interactive storytelling you know, we see some of these verticals begin to exist so I, don't, I wouldn't want to rule anyone out at the moment the biggest thing though we're revising brands is that you know, just because you can enter the space doesn't mean that you should immediately and, and we said the same thing to social media uh, back in the day and to app marketing as well is that you know, it's way better to do one thing really really well than try and replicate your entire experience from any other platform into voice and I think that that's where we're advising a lot of clients at Vixen Labs at the moment to start small you know find the one thing that you, this voice thing really works well for for example like frequently asked questions on your business times and locations of opening hours things like onboarding experiences where you need to do a bit of data capture that you can maybe kick someone out to an email afterwards these are you know straightforward conversational uh, things that are natural for a user to do and start and just do those things really well don't try and replicate everything that your app can do because voice has some of these natural limitations you know we can't recall loads of options it's like any you know bad menu tree that you've been through where your option one two three four and by the time you're at seven you're like well what was option one and two again so if you're trying to provide too much utility in one go people just won't be able to remember it and so i think that trying to pick one or two things that work really well um, and build those use cases around it then you'll earn a lot of favors with customers and then you can introduce new things later down the line and you'll get repeat customers out of it Um, but i think where a lot of people are failing right now is they're trying to do too much too soon and then they're giving a bad experience and then you know users just aren't coming back and i think that that's not doing the, the industry on a more broad basis any favors so yeah start small build well Uh, i think that there's hardly any um, business that can't find one example where that might be useful for them how do you strike the balance between starting small and providing value so let's take the faq example you presumably if you're going to do something along the lines of faqs or just at least open the front door in the kind of voice environment to your brand you're not necessarily going to have every single available faq in there and and there may be that obviously over time you'll learn how to iterate it and, and other features to add into it but how do you strike that balance between starting small and narrow versus providing value to the user something that will be used either repetitively or something that will that you can prove will add kind of value does that make sense yeah absolutely I, I think there's a couple of um things i mean particularly you take faqs that just as a good example that you brought back up there you know, every customer service team that I've ever worked with in, in a business or uh, you know, advised as an as a agency uh, partner, when you ask them, well, you know, where does you know, 90% of your, your volume come through to your call center, for example, it's usually around about 10 to 12 of the same questions that get ans- asked and answered. And most of those are straight data-driven questions. So if you can answer 90% of those things through voice and begin to move that away from call centers, which are often very expensive to run, um, and often, uh, you know, kind of very cumbersome, then you know you could potentially find an answer for yourself. Now, of course, the, the thing that we said the same thing of social media of doing customer service on Twitter and things like that, which is why I see so many analogies to, to the, the social world, is that people were like, oh, I don't just want to talk to some, you know, kind of 
faceless robot through Twitter. But the difference is that doing through voice is that you can put the real voices of the, of these people that would have otherwise dealt with you or other characters, brand personalities and other people to answer those questions on behalf of your, your business um, in a way that is far more empathetic um, than the you know, kind of average uh, answer that you're going to get through a direct message on Twitter or you know, kind of through uh, even a, a menu option on, on a call center button because it's a natural dialogue and there, there can be follow up and, and uh, repetition. So I think that that's where there is a big opportunity uh, for things like FAQs and, and those simple utilities. The big thing, though, that a lot of businesses need to probably get right before they can launch some of this stuff is actually getting their data in better shape. And that's where I think we're, we're you know, in some of the conversations we're having with clients right now is things like getting structured APIs built around your uh, your customer data uh, through things like login data and single sign-ons and through structuring your you know, things like location data or your know, product data so that you can actually call dynamic data more easily into voice experiences so that then you don't have to build every single permutation possible uh, in your voice models, but you can you know, do more open-ended questions and be able to call those things back. And that requires some effort up front, but it pays off in the long term because it gives you so much more variety in the types of things that you can answer through a voice experience. Hmm. What? Are, I mean, the next question I was going to ask there is, what are some of the other challenges? And maybe we'll hold that for a sec because I want to just skip back to when you were talking about some of the parities between voice and social media. And I think one of the things that gets kind of said about voice is that everyone's waiting for this kind of like one in a million skill, the skill that's gonna or the action that's gonna like revolutionize the world, and that one of the real keys to success is constant engagement, people returning and using your experience more and more. Social media, certainly in customer service, it's not necessarily about that, is it? It's more about just being there when someone needs you and then solving the problem when when you need you to solve it. So is that a similarity as well? Or, or is it a case of a successful voice skill needs to be engaging so that people return? Or can it just be there when you need it? I think that it's kind of both and, and sorry, that's a cop out of an answer, but there are different use cases, right? It's, it's kind of horses for courses in this, that there are the types of things that if you're building a utility um, or a voice utility for a, say, utility company, that's something you actually don't want to have to engage with very often. But when you do, you sure as hell want to make sure it works. <laughs> and so quality um, over quantity is, is super important. Whereas if you're a consumer band, brand and you want to remain top of mind, then well, maybe voice isn't the best thing for doing that because actually it doesn't have a visual presence it's not something that is easily you know recallable if, if it's not something you're going to use every day you know people often cite things like you mentioned the domino skill or the uber skill things that you use regularly that is a simple point use case that works really well but just you know i don't know what the utility is for say my starbucks skill if i can't do something that is really entertaining with it and so trying to find those use cases where you've got a reason to be in people's lives on a repetitive basis then sure that's going to help you build a great a voice experience potentially um, um, no, I think it is quite similar to social media. It, there is there is one thing, though, that is very similar. I wouldn't say it's similar to social media. It's certainly similar to SEO, is that you know, we are still at the very early stage of you know, essentially voice rank, if you want to coin a term. There you go, there's one, uh, <laughs> rather than page rank. Um, and you know, add to you, use your term came of you know, v-commerce, not e-commerce. Um, you know, if you are a brand that is, wants to make sure that you are top of mind when a, when a customer comes to search for you in voice, the, early, the earlier you are with the more robust experience and the more investment, you know, there is a, definitely a first mover advantage there. Now, that doesn't mean that someone can't come out and 
then outrank you for a, an implicit invocation on, on Alexa, which is the invocations that you know kind of um, when Alexa routes you to a specific skill based upon the, an implicit uh, you know, kind of request. It uh, doesn't mean you can't be unseated from those spaces, but certainly being early with a quality experience that gets re- rated, reviewed, and reused um, definitely stands you in good stead. And that is very similar to the early days of building the biggest Facebook pages or building um, you know kind of the, the earliest versions of PageRank on Google. Th- those that earned those top spots early tend to be the ones that have persisted over time, um, and it becomes increasingly more difficult to unseat them. So I think that you will see a few brands begin to move into the space so that they can be that presence, so that they can answer those questions for consumers when they ask them. Um, and, and being there early um, with quality will, will hopefully pay off. Mm. You were talking there just then about challenges before we kind of went on to the social media analogy. You were saying that brands don't necessarily have the data in, in the best shape and that that's sometimes a limitation. What are some of the other challenges that you've found that, that brands have? And for the brands listening, what do they need to be thinking about to overcome them challenges? Yeah, there's there's definitely three obvious challenges. I like to do everything in threes if you've not picked up on that uh, theme yet. <laughs> I think that one of the things is this um, idea of the disappearing app I often talk about is that as as you uh, many listeners, I'm sure, will know if they're listening to the show that one of the big problems that we're seeing at the moment is with uh, skills in particular is that, okay, well, once you've used them, they disappear into the ether. Uh, Sina Kahan, who, uh, from the, the guys over at Vase, often talks about the idea of it being a zero-pixel real estate environment. Uh, you know, that there is no visual marker or reminder that the skill exists and so how do you bring it back so building recall of what the skill is and particularly what the specific utterance and invocations are that you should use um, is super important and so one of the big things we say to to clients to overcome this is make sure that you're using other channels to drive awareness of what those invocations are so you can actually build you know real um, recall around what those those skills are back in the days of early kind of word of mouth marketing we often talked about this idea that particularly in PR that it takes you know, between five and seven times for someone to hear something before they can actually remember it. So you're going to have to you know, put in the work to get people to remember what your skill name and invocation is if you want them to bring it back up regularly and make sure it's there. I think the other thing that um, is, a, is a challenge um, is this idea that, you know, kind of around too many, the long menu problem, you know, this idea of too many options. As I mentioned before, if you're building something that tries to do everything um, in one go, you're going to probably have difficulties. People do find it quite difficult to recall lots of different options. And so boiling something down to its simplest form can seem like an easy thing to do but actually it's super hard to kind of get to the, the purest version of what you're building and so that is a challenge that we're challenge, you know, asking people to overcome and the way that we're doing that is really saying build small and then you know build up rather than trying to kind of bite off all that you can chew you know if you were to download an app from a bank tomorrow on your smartphone you would expect it to do all the things that an app on your smartphone should do for a bank right you should be able to do transactions you should be able to uh, check a balance you should be able to you know, contact customer services you expect it to do everything there isn't a set standard for voice apps yet on what these things should do and so better off to start small and provide one thing that does it really really well um, and then you know, offer new things to consumers over time as they reuse it rather than trying to provide everything and it become confusing and then they never come back the third and final barrier which I'll kind of offer is that I think that there is a more macro issue around privacy that we're still trying to overcome. I've been in the room with a few innovation directors recently, people who are literally, it's their job to think about innovating for their business. And you'd be surprised at the amount of people that I have come up against who have said, yeah, I don't actually have one of these things at home because I'm worried about it listening to me all the time, which 
is slightly baffling, right? That these people, you know, whose jobs it is to do this. Um, and and also walk around with a phone in the pocket. Well, there you go. (laughs) But I think, um, you know, we have to begin to do better jobs at dispelling the myths about actually how this tech works if we're actually going to reach consumer adoption. I think that particularly after what we've seen, um, there was a a study that came out, I think, from Accenture um, uh, at the very start of the year that showed, uh, had a data point in it, was fascinating, uh, was that for something like 40-odd percent of people that have smart speakers are worried that they're collecting more data on them than they need and i think that that is a really telling sign that despite the fact that we are buying these things and putting them in our homes uh, yeah, it's the opposite of the big brother 1984 kind of myth that big brother was going to come into our homes you know backed by the government we're going and buying the thing and putting it in the living room <laughs> but um yeah that 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 still though we are still worried about that we're still worried about the data capture and i think that the story of the past you know decade or so of you know us handing over privacy in return for utility uh, particularly to the big social media companies that value exchange has been began to erode quite heavily in the wake of obviously things like Cambridge Analytica and even in this week, you know, kind of Facebook research app, um, you know, revealing that they've been capturing kind of data from from all sorts of people and Apple having to you know, remove it from the app stores. You know, those types of stories bleed through into this kind of bigger tech lash that we are seeing about people being worried about the data. So I think that there is a, an overall industry issue that we need to kind of um, work at. But you can combat some of that stuff in building these experiences, not being too data hungry, not going after everything where it requires lots of sign-ins and sign-offs um, to kind of get consumers using these things. Provide something that's simple, that provides utility early on, that does it really well and does it without having to be kind of too data hungry. Because if you if you come in like that, it's kind of like being a dinner party guest that kind of comes into your house uh, and starts you know, kind of you know, leaving doors open and you know, kind of putting the toilet paper back on the roll the wrong way. You know, it's just not like a good house. <laughs> guest and um you know that is not what these things should be you're entering into somebody's home often into some of the most private parts of their home um and speaking out loud into those environments so if you can't do that in a way that shows up well uh, then you're going to cause real issues so that's what we're advising people is you know make sure that you do things that build recall do something simple that is built upon over time and, and do it in a way that is you know kind of courteous and behaves like a, a good guest when they come into the room Wicked. One last question. I know we're short on time, so we'll wrap this up. One last question. Vixen Labs doesn't just do the things that we've been talking about. You also help brands with the marketing and promotion of the voice experiences at the end of the process. So what are some either good... I know John Campbell shares examples of of posters and tube banners and all this kind of stuff of of places promoting um, Alexa skills and whatnot in the WhatsApp group. But what are some... Either some examples of good promotion that you've seen or some of the things that you've been advising clients to do in terms of getting the word out and in terms of actually promoting these voice experiences? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the big things that we've um, seen a few examples of, we worked a little bit with the guys that say it now on the Talisker uh, experience that you mentioned. Uh, Jen, my co-founder, did some some work on on the project. And one of the interesting parts of that experiment is that they actually did on-bottle stickering in the Talisker whiskey that was uh, distributed to kind of A-B test whether or not it was a good experience. Um, So actually, if you've got an on-pack opportunity, something that's sitting on someone's shelf every day, staring them in the face when they open the kitchen cabinet, why not put what the invocation or uh, you know, kind of utterance is of your skill on that packet? Because then it's something that people literally are looking at every single day. Um, and that can build real recall around that. 
So if you've got that opportunity, secondly, if you've got like a physical placement, like an in-store experience, I think that the more that we see brands actually doing things like demoing uh, Alexa skills for their products in stores uh, or in retail locations or in your kind of built environment where they can actually kind of get hands on with it, it helps build the category overall. And then thirdly, I would say social media actually is a really good driver. One of the things that I did when I was at Lego as part of the campaign was we did a whole social media campaign around the Lego uh, Alexa Duplo skills. So Duplo Stories was a skill that we built uh, at Lego, which had 10 interactive stories for toddlers and their parents to play together whilst building uh, with Duplo bricks. Uh, I know something that's entered into your world uh, recently, Kane. so uh, <laughs> you can try it out um, you know, live with the little one at some point. But um, one of the things that we did a lot of was marketing to parents through social media to let them know that that skill existed uh, through things like on pack and also in the box. But um, actually through social media was really important. So actually doing demo videos, doing um, additional imagery that's actually on your Amazon page so if you've got a product on Amazon that the, the skill is linked to utilizing things like a plus pages and additional video and imagery content on those Amazon product pages can be a real driver in kind of making people aware that the skill exists because as I say otherwise these things are somewhat invisible until discoverability gets better in the Alexa store itself so that would be my recommendation is you know use in store use on social uh, and use on pack or you know, on product if you can do because that, that wherever you can build that recall you're definitely going to get a better result fantastic i will recommend everyone to try the lego skill i know we, we haven't had real chance to get into detail about that but it is fantastic so I'll, I'll definitely link to it in the show notes do check it out it's fantastic uh, well, thank you yeah if people want to try it out just say alexa open lego duplo stories there you go. Everybody who's uh, got kids' skills enables uh, devices are now kind of going off like crazy. <laughs> You've just shot them out of the podcast into, into the Lego skill there. <laughs> Fantastic. James, this has been an absolute pleasure. It's been a really, really stimulating discussion, and I'm absolutely over the moon that we've had a chance to do it. It was better. I knew it was going to be good, but it's even better than I thought it was going to be. So thank you so <laughs> much for joining us. Can I just do two quick plugs? Um, yeah. Or three quick plugs. I'll be really fast with them. One was that you mentioned the Voice 2 community that is a, a non-profit completely separate thing that we run just to kind of keep people connected if they want to join that um, if you go to voice2 the num- number 2.io you can register uh, for the newsletter and to join the whatsapp community there um, and if you're coming to Voice Summit, um, we would love you to come out and join us uh, in New Jersey in the week of the 22nd of July. Uh, it's the voicesummit.ai is the website for that. And, and if you want to find out more about Vixen Labs, then it's vixenlabs.co. Uh, and you'll find us on all the socials uh, around that as well. Fantastic. And all of them links, as always, will be in the show notes. Do check it out. James, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Kane. Really appreciate it. That was James Poulter. Thank you, James, for joining us. It's been a long time coming, that conversation, and absolutely buzzing me out to have it. I think we've managed to squeeze probably about three hours' worth of content into 40 minutes there, so so I think we've done pretty well. Um, Such an interesting conversation, that from anyone who is, whether you're on the brand side and client side, or whether you're on the agency side, or even if you're just thinking about, you know, creating your own business, or whether you're a hobbyist, or whatever the case may be, I think there's so many strategic insights in that discussion just there really good observations in terms of prevalent use cases i enjoyed the the three uh, james does things in threes i like that it's it's that's voice first straight away you don't want to overload people with too much keep it in threes so in terms of some of the use cases and some of the areas where voice is useful one making an experience more immersive 
two utility which we've touched on with Cena Carhen on the podcast over the last couple of weeks and three entertainment and I totally agree with that and it's some really good examples of skills and actions in all of those three categories um, that have been coming around recently um, in terms of the verticals I think pretty much what James was saying there and I, I agree as well that, that every vertical is is has opportunities, should we say, from healthcare to utilities to media and entertainment, you name it, retail, obviously. Um, such such opportunity there. Um, but as ever, it's a recurring theme on this podcast and a recurring theme amongst all voice content that you'll probably find yourself running into. The advice is start small. Pick something fairly simple that still adds value and start small and then scale and iterate and build on it. Fantastic advice. Really good to see some of the some of the uh, similarities as well between social and voice. I think that on the podcast, I think we've mentioned, and a lot of people say that voice is similar to mobile when it first started, kind of taking off in terms of the scene and the the industry and the enthusiasm and passion shown by everybody. But it was interesting to see some of the some of the observations from James around how brands are approaching voice and how that's similar to social. So that was that was a, a fantastic observation. Um, do do check out the Lego skill if you've got kids. Even if you don't have have kids, I wasn't even with the kid when I was playing on it, and it was just I was just enjoying you know the experience. So do check it out. Do check out the Voice Two community. I'm not just saying this; it is a genuinely fantastic place. You know, I'm a part of it, and it's got so ingrained in my life that I just call it the WhatsApp group. I think that's the biggest compliment I can pay to it. Is I don't even say Voice Two; I just say the WhatsApp group because that's the default WhatsApp group that I'm mostly part of i use that whatsapp group more than i text any of my friends or family and even my wife i'm texting that whatsapp group more than anything else so join it get onto it voice2.io check out vixen labs as well if you do need help on on the strategic side of voice and you need help on the marketing side check out vixen labs and do reach out to them and obviously the voice summit that's coming up unfortunately i'm gonna be away i'm gonna be on a cruise my brother-in-law is getting married and it's not the kind of thing that you can get out of to go uh, on a on a round the world trip to america so unfortunately i'm not going to be there but do get yourself there because this is probably the biggest voice event of the year and you don't want to miss it like me so do check it out voicesummit.ai Ladies and gentlemen, this has been absolutely fantastic. James, thank you so much. Boys and girls, thank you for listening. And until next time, see you later. Okay, thanks for playing Lego Duplo Stories. You can come back anytime you want to build more adventures with your Duplo bricks. See you then. Goodbye. Goodbye.